Life Church, I wish I could be with you today. I've been with Michael McNamee, the director of Convoy of Hope Europe, for the last few days as we've done a leadership conference in Amsterdam. Today, I'm speaking in Brussels, Belgium, at one of the largest evangelical churches in the entire country. And then we're going to finish out this trip looking at a few possible opportunities that we, Life Church, can engage with Michael and Convoy of Hope Europe in 2014. I hope you'll be back next weekend as we finish this series launch, as we talk about how to lift off and really attain the God-given purpose and plan that God has for our lives. God bless you, and I hope to see you back next weekend at Life Church. Well, hello, and again, welcome to Life Church. Uh, my name is Ryan Coggins. I'm the executive pastor here at Life Church, and I just have to ask for your permission. I apologize in advance, but if I occasionally sound like Darth Vader tonight or uh, I, a 12-year-old boy, um, no offense, 12-year-old boys, you're, you're going through some changes, but my voice is not exactly with me uh, tonight, and so I, I ask for permission for an occasional throat clear or sniffle, a little bit feeling under the weather, but I probably sound a lot worse than I actually feel, so just get that out there. Um, some of you who know me, I sound a little different um, than normal, but I am excited to be able to speak this weekend because we're, we're continuing this series called Launch. And in this series, kind of the basic thought, the premise of it is, is everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. So how do we live a life of intentionality? How do we live a life of purpose? And, and how do we live up to the potential that God has called us to live? How do we do that? And so we've been talking about the will of God, which is a huge topic to try to unpack. And that's why we've spent five weeks trying to really dive in. And, and go after it. And I hope you're here next weekend as we kind of wrap this series up. Pastor Aaron, like he said, will be back uh, speaking live. But let me tell you a little bit about myself. I, I tend to be a little bit of an indecisive person at times. And it's, it's, it's almost selective indecision because there's times where I'm very decisive, where I'm like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. I just know it. Let's just do it. But then there's other times, like I'm in the, the, the deodorant aisle at Walmart. And I'll be there for 10 minutes. And it's just crazy. You know, I'll, I'll literally be like, okay, maybe there's a new... And this is why uh, Amanda, she's, she's better off uh, buying things for me because I just know, like this week being sick, spending 10 minutes in Walgreens, like, do I want fast acting or do I want, you know, what, is, what symptom do I want to try to eliminate? Maybe I need a little bit of everything. You know, I, I don't know what it is I need. And so I'll spend a lot of time just on just little details, spending a lot, of, way too much time just being indecisive. I do not like the question, uh, where do you want to go to eat? I'll just tell you that much. I just, I, I can't stand that question. Right after this service, I'll probably be posed with that question, where do you want to go to eat? And I just, it's not that, I can tell you where I don't want to go to eat. I could list off a couple of places, but I, I don't want to be the one who has to pick where we go to eat. That's a lot of pressure. I just don't, I don't need that kind of pressure in my life. And Amanda, my wife and I, we're, we both have a lot of similarities when it comes to indecision, and we're both indecisive on the same types of things. And so you can imagine some of the stresses sometimes, some of the discussions about uh, like things like where to go to eat. And I'll say, no, 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 you, you go ahead, you pick, you pick. And she'll say, no, 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 you pick. And it's not that either of us are being nice and deferring to the other. It's that we're simply saying, I just don't want to pick. Just please, just tell me where we're going. And I, I tend to be indecisive at times. And so you can imagine some of the stress right now in our house 
uh, because we're about to have our third child um, in, in probably in the next week or two. And, uh, and by we, I mean Amanda, is going to have our, our child. And uh, we've been, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. And so we've had to try to pick out two names. One name is hard enough, but two names that we have to agree upon and come to find out, just I, I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a second. I'm not quite sure what a soapbox is, but I heard people say it. So I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a second. I, uh, some of you have already claimed names, like you've claimed naming rights. And uh, some of you know who you are. Some of you are in this room right now. There's about five of my top ten names have apparently already been claimed by people that, and children that don't even exist yet, haven't even been conceived And so people will say things like, yeah, I think we're going to name our child this or that. And I'm like, you can't do that because now you've said that to Amanda and now I can't, we can't name our child that because it's like stepping on toes. So I'm just going to tell you, just stop that. No more naming rights. It's, it's over. You know who you are. If it's you, it has sunk in and you will stop doing that. But uh, indecision, I, I tend to be very indecisive about just sometimes big things. Went house shopping for over a year because it's like, I just got to have the perfect situation all come together. The stars have to align, and it has to be uh, this perfect thing. But I, I don't think I'm necessarily alone uh, in this. I think a lot of us, on certain areas of our life, we're, we're somewhat indecisive at times. And we'd prefer it if somebody would just simply tell us what to do. Just tell me what to do. Now, as a child, I didn't like it when my mom would tell me what to do. But now, as an adult, I'm like, man, I would love to go to the days where somebody just said, here's your outfit, Here's, here, here's your snack for the day. Here's what you're going to eat. Here's every detail of your life. I can just tell you, I would, just, I would love a day like that where somebody just tells me exact, oh, I don't have to think about any little detail. That's why we like things like GPS, uh, navigation system, because it's just, just tell me. Just tell me. I don't want to have to think about it. Just tell me in 300 feet in that British accent that I got to turn left. I don't even want to have to think about it. We like step-by-step books um, some of the best, and I mean, this is statistically proven, some of the best-selling books in our country are ones that are like seven steps to financial freedom or, or whatever it is. It, it's, it's very clear-cut. Here's the first step, second step. We, we can wrap our mind around that because it's like, man, just tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do. That's why tutorials are such a big deal. That I, I just want, Tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do. I think we all somewhat, in, in some way, despite being independent at a certain level and, and wanting power, we also like it when somebody just tells us, this is what you're supposed to do. And the problem with that, uh, that mindset is when we apply it to the will of God, where we say, God, just tell me exactly what it is that you want me to do. Tell me, I just need to know every little detail uh, about what it is that you want me to do with my life what you want me to do with this decision, uh, you know, who I'm supposed to marry, where I'm supposed to go to college. You go right down the list of major decisions in your life. Maybe it's even minor decisions, what you're supposed to wear tomorrow. You know, like, I don't know what, what kind of level it is, but Jesus, just tell me exactly what it is that you want me to do. Because I've found that often uh, the will of God, it's not like that. It's not a step-by-step instruction. It's, it's not a, this is exactly what you want what God wants us to do. It can be, and it is sometimes, but not all the time, not in every single decision. And there's a a passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 6. 
I can get there in just a second. It's also, it'll be on the screens if you don't have your Bible with you, or if you have your smartphone, you can follow along that way. But John chapter 6, starting in verse 28, but there's this passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking to a group of, of people who were not necessarily his disciples, but people who were following him. They had witnessed miracles. They had been with him. They were kind of traveling around, listening to his teaching. And so there's this group of people. It's somewhat of a vague group of people who exactly all these people are, how many. I'm not exactly sure that Jesus is, 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 is these people are wanting to talk to Jesus. And they're trying to pin him down, and they want to say, what are we supposed to do? Essentially, God, you know, Jesus, what, what is it? Just could you break it down? Could you make it very simple for us? What is it that we are supposed to do? Could you just tell us? And Jesus gives them an answer that I don't think they really liked. I, I, don't, I don't think they really could wrap their minds around because they kept asking, like, okay, what, what are you talking about? Could you just tell us? Just tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to know. So John chapter 6, that's where we're going to pick it up, starting in verse 28. It says, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're referring to an Old Testament story where literally bread fell from heaven called manna uh, to feed the Israelites, and that's what they're referring to. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34 says, Sir, they said, Give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. These, these followers of Jesus, and we're going to kind of break it down a little bit tonight, but these followers of Jesus approach this, this topic of the will of God. What are we supposed to do in a very consumer type of mindset. They're, they're, they're approaching it saying, just, just tell me exactly what it is that I need to know. What's in it for me? And what have you done for me lately? That's kind of the mindset that they have. And I think it's very, uh, it, it's, it's almost um, entertaining, entertaining some of the things that they say to Jesus here. The first thing that they, they ask Jesus a question, and if you're taking notes, they, they say, what should we do? Jesus, just tell us. We just need to know. What should we do? We want to do good works too. What should we do? I don't know about you, but this is a prayer that I've prayed many times. God, what is it that you want me to do? And whether it's a specific scenario or if it's more just a in general type of a thing, God, what is it that you want me to do? And I don't think that's a bad prayer uh, to pray but Jesus gives them an answer that I don't think that they were really wanting. They were, they were looking for something very specific. And Jesus says to them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And I, I have to imagine I put myself in their shoes a little bit. I, I'm kind of like, okay, okay, that doesn't really help us at all, Jesus. What, what are you talking about? And for them, it was probably even a little bit more abstract than it is for us today because uh, today we understand a little bit more of the, the, the entire story of Scripture. They didn't have that benefit of knowing that Jesus was about to die on the cross for their sins and that any man who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. They didn't have that context. They didn't understand 
all of that, that that was going to happen that way. They didn't have a New Testament here that they could just read and say, okay, this is the entire story. I get it. I understand it. But they were like, believe in the one he has sent. What, you know, what in the world are you talking about? And Jesus is simply saying, all you need to do is just simply believe in me. Jesus, that does not, that does not help us at all. Just simply believe. Well, I need to know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I need to know who I'm supposed to marry. I need to know where I'm supposed to go to school. I need to know what type of job, what career path, all these different decisions, things like that. I need to know real deal life answers. And Jesus says, just believe in me. And I think one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to understand Jesus' answer here is because we don't have a a really good understanding of how the will of God works. And I don't think that in, uh, in 18 minutes I'm going to be able to tell you exactly how, how every detail about the will of God. That's why we did this series over the course of five weeks. So if you've missed any of the first three weeks, I'd highly encourage you to go back and listen to them because I'm just going to focus on one aspect of the will of God. And so you might say, well, what about this? What about that? Well, we've probably already talked about some of those things in the previous uh, three weeks, but I just want to laser focus on one specific area uh, and take one track and kind of go in that direction. See, there's, there's, three different, there's three different layers to the will of God. It's kind of like an onion. There's multiple layers. The first layer is that there's the sovereign will of God, the sovereign will of God. And I think it's important to un- have, a, have a good understanding of how, how this all kind of plays into uh, this passage of Scripture. There's the sovereign will of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's the sovereign will of God. Of God, some good examples through, throughout Scripture. One would be Jonah. Uh, you know, God. If you remember the story of Jonah, God says to Jonah, "You are to go to Nineveh and you're to preach repentance to the people there. They're sinners. You just need to straighten them out." I'm asking you, Jonah. I'm telling you, this is what you're going to do. Now go do it. Now Jonah tries to run away from that, and and basically God is saying, "Okay, you can you can go in a boat." And it can be a nice experience to go to Nineveh, or you can go in the belly of a whale, uh, whatever, however you want to get there. Uh, that's, that's your choice. That's not, uh, you know, whatever. But you're going to do this. This is the sovereign will of God. Another example would be Noah. You know, you're going to build an ark here. here he, and he gets, like, very specific details. This is the size. These are the types of animals. Every detail is kind of played out right to, to Noah. It's the sovereign will of God. There's been times in my life where God has, has had a sovereign will type moment where he said, this is what you're going to do. Uh, for, for me, you know, one of them was a calling into ministry. I, I just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that was a sovereign will of God type moment. But then there's been other times, uh, you know, where it hasn't been that clear. Where to go to school? Who to marry? I, 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 honestly, it, that was not a thus saith the Lord moment in my life. Maybe it, it was for you or it will be for you. I don't know. But there's certain times where there's this sovereign will of God type moment. But then there's another, there's, there's two other layers. There's another layer. One's called the moral will of God. The moral will of God is, is, is kind of the word of God. I mean, it's, it's laid out in scripture. You don't have to pray if you should steal or not, okay? You don't have to pray about that. The Bible says, do not steal, okay? You don't, have to, you don't have to consult God. You don't have to wonder, is that, should I do that or not? Obviously, I'm using kind of a, a crazy example, but you don't have to, there's, there's a lot of things that I don't think you, that you really have to pray about, honestly. 
Because the word of God says this is what, it's very, it's very plain. It's very, it's very uh, straightforward on what you are supposed to do. It's the moral will of God. It's kind of the character of God, the ways of God. Uh, and, and, and so often I see people that are asking questions or praying about things that I'm like, man, the word of God already, already tells you what to do in, in that specific circumstance. You don't, you don't really, why are you spending so much time praying and thinking and processing and all this? It's just, it's very same. It's the moral will of God. But then there's this third area. It's the personal will of God. And I think this is probably the one that, that gets the most attention because it's the one that people have the most questions about. And it's the one that is very much a gray area. Uh, the Bible's very specific on some things, and there's other things where it kind of leaves a, a, a lot of room to say, make, make a decision. The Bible says, be fruitful and multiply. But it does not tell you how many kids to have. And I don't know if you, have you ever had that discussion about how many kids you should have? And I'm having that one right now, actually. But, you know, like, one, one spouse wants to have this many kids, the other one, there's no, there's nothing in Scripture that says you should have this many kids, okay? I mean, there's just, there's just a lot of times where there's a gray area that you got to say, I, I don't know what the right or wrong thing to do. And God has said, you know what? I've kind of given you the wisdom to be able to make that decision on your own. Now, there's times where he will say, it's, this is my sovereign will for you. And I don't think we have to really stress out about that because God, God's sovereign will is going to get through to you one way or another just like it did for Jonah. But there's many times where it's, it's not that clear. What should I do? Where should I go? Who should I marry? And we want everything to, to often be the sovereign will of God. And he's saying, no, no, sometimes it will be, but there's many times where I've given you, I've given you the ability to make that decision by yourself. It's more of a Colossians 3.17 thing that says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father. That no matter, you know, whatever the decision is, if you simply trust in me and believe in me, just as he tells these people, and do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, you know what? You're going to be okay. Don't stress out about the decision. And I know that theologically there's a big can of worms that we could open up, and I, I, I don't want to uh, take too much more time on that. But Jesus tells these people to simply believe. Don't, don't worry about what you need to do or where you need to go. or uh, don't, don't get so wrapped up in all these, you know, what the destination is. Would you just simply believe? They don't, they don't like that answer. You can tell they don't like that answer because they change they change their approach. They're like, okay, he's not going to answer that question the way we want him to. So they ask another question. The second thing they ask him is, what can you do? What can you do? Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Pretty bold question uh, to ask Jesus. Have you ever, uh, I don't know if, if you have or not, have you ever asked God for a sign before? Ra raise your hand. Anybody ever asked God for a sign? Okay. I think God gets a kick out of that sometimes. I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing that we do that, but I can remember a specific example in my life. I was making a major life decision. Honestly, I cannot remember what the decision was. It, was, it, was, it might have been going, where I go to school or something like that. I don't know. But I was driving. I was praying about it. I was like, God, what do you want me to do in this area? And I'm like, you know what, God, if you want me to do this, I pray that there would be a deer that would jump out of the woods and would jump right onto the street right now. Nothing, okay? You know, five minutes later, I'm like, okay, but for real, right, right now. And then five, you know, the same thing. I'm like, 
What a ridiculous thing to pray. I think God just sometimes has to just laugh at, at some of the things that we do. And the funny thing about uh, these people asking Jesus to give them a sign is that if you just read earlier in John chapter 6, these were some of the same people, literally the same exact people, who participated in one of the greatest miracles to ever take place. We don't know if it was the next day or, or how much time had elapsed between it. It seems like it was very, very close. That they were, they were a part of the feeding of the 5,000. They were some of those people where Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and literally fed 5,000 people. Some people even say up to 20,000 people uh, were fed that day. They had literally just come from there and uh, had chased Jesus down to ask him this question. Okay, if you want us to believe, you've got to show us a sign. And you know, the, 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 the thing about signs is sometimes we, we always need another one, and it, it never ends. It's like, okay, I need a sign right now. Okay, now, if you really want me to do it, you better do it one more time. I mean, we need this sign. For, and I don't think it's inappropriate that we, that we pray bold prayers like that. I don't think it's, but sometimes it's like, you know what, you just, man, I've been faithful in the past. I've already displayed my sovereignty in your life. Why do you need another sign all the time? I have to imagine Jesus was a little bit entertained by these people. But the reality is, is that we struggle big time when we cannot see for ourselves. When, it, it, when it's completely, when Jesus is telling us just simply believe, we kind of like, okay, well, I, I, I got to see something. I got to see first. I was um, just, just recently, a few weeks ago, I, w- I went night golfing which I know sounds, sounds a little bit dangerous and crazy, and it is, but the, we, we were going night golfing, and so um, it was part of this event that I was at, and, and uh, at night golfing, basically what they do is they set glow sticks out in the fairway and, and, and different places, so you kind of know where you're hitting the ball, and uh, the ball lights up, but you have like no, you, you can't see where you're hitting it, anything. All you have to do is, you just have to trust that the yardage is correct, that okay, it's 150 yards from here, to there. I need to hit it in that direction. And so that's all that you have uh, to go off of. And, and, and at first it was like, man, this is, this is frustrating because I can't, I have no depth perception. I can't tell what's going on. I just have to just kind of, okay, I've, I've, I've played golf many times before. I got to just trust that this club is going to go that distance and I'm hitting it in the right direction. And you know what was funny to me is I, I think I played better than I have <laughs> in a long time. And I, I was thinking back, why is that? I think part of the reason is because you can't see the bunkers. You can't see the water. You can't see the out-of-bounds, the woods. You can't see what the next shot is. And sometimes I think there's so many distractions about what about this? What about that? What about that danger? What about this? Uh, you know, what, what am I going to do on the next shot after this? And all these things that play into it. And you, you kind of psych yourself out when it's real, real simple. Just hit the ball this distance from here towards that light. And the same thing I think is so true in life. Why is it that we sometimes need to see the next step? Why can't we just say, okay, God, you've, you're not going to lead me astray. You've been faithful in the past. I normally hit this club 150. I'm going to just swing and I'm going to hit it right at the target that you, that you set out for me. Why is it that we ha- sometimes have to know everything and see everything? And you know, so often I think I'd I'd prefer it if God would lead me with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night as, as he led the Israelites in the Old Testament. You know, that, that sometimes would be my preference because it'd be like, okay, I can literally just watch that cloud and just, just exact, wherever it goes, I, I, I just go. 
And, and wherever the fire goes at night, I, I can just follow that. And, and, you know, it's like the star of Bethlehem. I can just follow the star and everything's going to be okay. But often, and God, God can do that and does do that. But oftentimes, it's the same thing that he did with Abraham. Go to the land, I will show you. Talk about vague, okay? You know, like, okay, you literally want me to go. Like, that's an action step. And I have no idea where it is that I'm going. Just go to the land, I will show you. That can be very uncomfortable for us. And these people that Jesus is talking to, you could tell they, they, they weren't having it. They were like, okay, Jesus, you're clearly not understanding what we're trying to get at, and so we're just going to make it real simple for you. And then this last thing that they say to him, they just say, give us that bread. Give us that bread. And uh, just to kind of reread and give you some context again, he, uh, this is basically what's going on. Our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they say, sir, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay, Jesus, we're going to stop asking questions. We're done asking questions. Just tell us what we need. What do we need? Give us what we need right now. That bread that you're talking about that sounds awesome. Just give us that bread. I don't want to have to worry about it anymore. I don't want to have to think about it anymore. I'm t- you're, you're stressing me out. You're just asking all, you know, you're not answering our questions the way we, that, that I want you to. Just give us that bread. And I think so often that's, that's, that's what we do with Jesus. We say, man, I, I just, I'm just tired of thinking about it. Could you just tell me what I need to know? Could you just, just, just tell me? Make it very simple. And, and, and sometimes we only ask for that bread when we're hungry. Only, it's only when we're in a pinch, when we're going through a tough time or what's going on. And, and Jesus gets right at the heart of the issue right here. He says, I am the bread of life. And if you have me, you'll never be hungry again. See, they were looking for a handout from Jesus, and he's saying, just, just simply take my hand. Uh, I, I, if, you just, if you just simply have relationship with me, you'll never be, you'll never, you'll, you'll never be hungry again. Jesus presents this radical idea to them that they had never really heard before. He, he, he's basically telling them, you know what, it's not about doing it's not about going. It's not about getting. That's all well and fine, but it's simply about being. It's simply about having relationship with me. See, I, I strongly believe that the will of God is, is not about an outcome. It's, it's not about, okay, I, I'm going to arrive. I'm fine. Like, like the will of God is some hidden thing where God's like, okay, if you, just, if you just ask the right questions and do the right things, and if you go through this set of circumstances, finally, one day, it's just going to be just re- this revelation that this is exactly, I, I, I think the sovereign will works like that. But God's personal will, it, it's, it's not like that. All he's saying is, I just want to have relationship with you. I just want to be close to you. This concept is all over Scripture where Jesus talks about, um, you know, the sheep know the shepherd's voice, and he's referring to himself as the shepherd, and we as sheep. There's a relationship there. They know his voice. Or he, he also talks about a father and a son, you know, the story of the prodigal son, that there's this relationship that's there. 
You know, it's, um, I kind of I put it like this. It'd be like um, with my kids. If I, my kids come to me and they say, Dad, we want to we watch a movie. I'm like, oh, great. What movie do you want to watch? And they tell me, you know, whatever, whatever movie it is. I'm like, great. Can, can you put in a movie for us, Dad? Because, you, know, you know, the DVDs and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm jacking around with the TV and messing up all the settings or whatever. So I kind of tell them, just get me and I'll, I'll put the DVD in for you. So I put the DVD in. I'm like, great. Can I watch the movie with you? And they say, no. You cannot watch. No. What? You can't watch the movie with us. That, that'd be, want, actually, why don't you, you go get us some snacks and then come back. And, but no, you can't watch the movie with us. I think so often that's, that's what we do to God. We say, God, give me the answer. I want to know what the next step is. I need to know the answer to this question. I need to know what I'm supposed to do in this area. I need to know. Just, just tell me. And Jesus is just saying, okay, yeah, I, I want to I do that. I want, I want to bring you guidance and direction. I want to bring clarity. I, I want all those things. But you know what I want more than that? I just want to have relationship with you. I just want to know you. And I love the way uh, the psalmist David, he talks about his relationship with God. And in Psalm chapter 63, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. Notice how he doesn't say, I earnestly search for your will. <laughs> he says, I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy. In the shadow of your wings, I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. David had this, just this passion to simply just know God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Okay, God, you want me to go left? I'll go left. You want me to go right? I'll go right. That's profoundly secondary to just simply knowing who you are and having an intimacy with you, having a relationship with you. David simply just wanted to follow God wherever he went. And, and, and where he went wasn't really important. I don't, I, it wasn't really important to David what the outcome was. It wasn't really important what the destination was. He simply just said, I just, I just want to be with you. I want to be led by you. I want to search for you. I want to know you. The outcome doesn't really matter a whole lot. You know, it's kind of like, um, I, have, you ever, have you ever had to follow somebody in a car? Yet, you know, you're like, any directionally challenged people? Uh, uh, that um, you, you kind of, maybe you're going to a restaurant or something like that, and you're like, I have no clue where that restaurant is. And so, okay, why don't you just follow me? You ever done that? And so your goal as you're following them is to just, just stay on them as close as possible. And you will break laws. You will do whatever. I mean, it's just whatever speed they're going, you're going. I mean, you're bobbing and weaving through traffic, whatever you got to do. And if somebody gets 
in between you and that other person, I mean, that just stresses you right out. You're like, okay, I will go around. I'll do whatever I got to do to make sure that I stick as close as possible because I have no clue where we're going. And that doesn't even really matter where we're going. I just need to make sure that I stay behind this person. And I I think the will of God is so much like that. It's it's simply saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. If you turn left, I'll turn left. If you turn right, I'll turn right. If you go straight, I'll go straight. It, where we're going, I mean, you know where we're going. I, I'm not sure where it is. I, I don't even know, you know, whatever. I'm just simply going to follow you. And that for us can be very difficult because that's not, and I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this message because actually earlier in the week I had a, like I literally had like a, here's seven, seven ways that you know to hear God's voice and, and how you know you're being led by God. And I love the concept of one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, just do this, this, and this, and you're going you're gonna to know the will of God. It's going to be great. Okay, let's, let's, let's go home. But sometimes it's not that simple. I, I wish that it was, and I wish it was sometimes just clear cut. But I'll tell you what, what is simple, because I think we make it more complicated. Jesus is saying, it's, it's just simply about believing in me. It's simply about having relationship with me. And I, I would just challenge you with that today. Uh, maybe today there's, there's an area of your life where you're really seeking the will of God. And you're trying to discern what does he want you to do? Where does he want you to go? I'm not saying just stop, <laughs> stop seeking that. I'm not saying just, you know. But what I am saying is make sure that that outcome, what you're praying for, what you're going for, what you're trying to accomplish or whatever, that it's not about you. It's not about what you want to see happen. It's not about your will, but, and just say, God, right now, and maybe it's, an, it's a heart check to say, God, am I really wanting to do your will, whatever that might be? Do I really just want to have a deep, intimate relationship with you and forget about everything else, all the other little details? Because the Bible says, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. I believe that believing in him always trumps whatever decision it is that you're making, whatever decision it is. And are you okay with sometimes having that tension that Jesus presents in this passage of scripture to say, you know what, you're not gonna have it nice and neat and all figured out and everything lined out for you? Are you okay with managing that tension a little bit and saying, okay, God, I I wish I understood. I wish I could see very clearly right now, but I don't. But here's what I do know. I trust in you. I believe in you and I'm gonna follow you wherever that may be. The question is not what should I do or where should I go? The question is, do I believe? The question is, will I follow? Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you. We thank you, first of all, that yes, you do have a sovereign will. You have a sovereign will for us as, as, as humanity, that there's a bigger picture than just us. Lord God, and that your sovereign will is that you sent your son into the world to die a very gruesome death so that we could live without the penalty of sin. But Lord God, sometimes there's, there's just some gray areas in our lives there's, there's very important decisions that need to be made. And sometimes, Lord God, uh, we put those decisions ahead of our relationship with you. And God, right now, I personally, I, I just repent of that. I say, God, I, I don't want to live life like that. I want to live life that is just close and intimate 
with you. And Jesus, the same thing that you said to your followers 2,000 years ago, is the same thing I believe that transcends to us today that you say, just simply believe. And I pray right now, God, that even though we can't necessarily see, maybe everything isn't clear, everything's not lined out nice and neat, but God, we, we put our trust in you. We believe in you. We put our faith in you. You've been faithful in our past. And Lord, the only sign that we need is, is the free gift of salvation today, God. We thank you so much for your, your direction, your leading. God, I pray that we would be a church filled with people who simply just believe in you and are led and are guided by you. We thank you for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.